I wish I knew our theme song by heart so I can go like dee 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 what it sounds like right now. Uh... You don't even know either. So it's 12.57. All right, whatever. I'll just and listen. action. Welcome to the Art of Murder. I'm Julie. I'm Jenna. Oh. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and now we're stressed. Oh, boy. Well, um, you know what? It's been two weeks. Yeah, it has. Which is a long time. So all the nerves and everything that we had the first episode seem to be back. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fuck. But it's okay. We're going to power through because that's what we do. We power through. Never erase, embrace. embrace. Oh, I love that you said that. <laughs> <laughs> That's like my favorite saying that you have. Yay. Uh, yeah, sorry about last week, guys. It was... Um, Never apologize. I know you say that, but it was Canadian Thanksgiving. I will not apologize for Canadian Thanksgiving. No. Turkey and ham. We're actually thankful for it. Yeah, we are. Whoops. Um, and then just kind of a very stressful week. Yeah. All good now. I think everything's under control. But uh, how was your how was your Thanksgiving? It was wonderful. Yeah. I went hiking. I did not get murdered. Yay. And I uh, didn't even find a dead body or anything. Damn it. I know. You did find a dead fish. Lots of dead fish. It was the salmon run up in uh, Bridalville Falls on Manitoulin Island. Beautiful place. I know. You sent me pictures. I was jealous. And of the dead fish. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> With no eyeballs. Yeah, that was crazy. Eyeballs are the first thing to go. Oh, yeah. Is it really? Yeah, the birds love it. Oh. Yeah, dead yeah, that fish. that makes sense. It's come it's really easy to pop pop out. Oh. It was my that was my pecking noise. I don't know if that's how, you it, know. I would assume that that's what it would sound like. That's the foley sound for when a bird is plucking and pecking an eyeball. It was like the pop and peck. <laughs> oh, well done. Thank well you. done. Thank you. Excellent. Yeah. And you had a good Thanksgiving? I did. Holy crap. There was so much, so much food at my mom's place. Oh, yes. And then we went to Tyler's parents and we had ribs, which was an mm. untraditional way of doing Thanksgiving. But a great so idea. Amazing. And uh, got to kind of shoot the shit with both of his parents about the podcast. Nice. And they and uh, they're very excited. Uh, my family. Eh, eh, I don't know if. Do they listen to the podcast? Uh, no, they didn't, but they, when I was telling them about this new thing that we were kind of taking on, <clears throat> there go, they said, uh, they were like, oh, isn't that nice? You have a cute little project that, well, they said it in a very American way, because my mom had invited my American family, so it was like, you have a podcast? Oh, that's just so nice. <laughs> yeah. You and your girlfriend are doing a podcast now? That's just great about murder? Yeah, an art. Did you? Are you doing an art and murder pod podcast? <laughs> Is that what they actually? Sorry, Aunt Patty. Uh, you are a wonderful human being. I love um, it. I know. I was gonna say, don't don't talk shit about your family if they're listening. <laughs> well, you can. It was cool. They're your family. They'll have to forgive you. Yeah. Um, okay. Corrections. Catacomb. Oh. There was a couple, and I forgot to write them down. First off, I got a text from my aunt when she listened to the last podcast and she goes i had mentioned at one point how i knew nothing about music and how we didn't have tv growing up and she goes you didn't have a tv you know you had a tv <laughs> she goes you make it sound like you're like amish or something <laughs> i was like okay 
We had a television set. We just didn't really have any channels. On good days, we can have put foil on top of the antennas and get a couple <laughs> channels. But we didn't have cable or anything like that. And no, we didn't have a radio in our house or a music. Like, you know, some people have like a music station. We didn't have any of that. So that part was true. I, in fact, had a television, but didn't have any real channels or any music channels to it. So there you go, Lynn. Okay. I'm going to tell everybody that now. <laughs> By the way, hi, Lynn. Isn't you have a fun story about your aunt. I do. Um, I've been kind of like asking people, you know, about murders that they, if they've ever, if they know any murder stories and whatnot. And then she goes, oh, did I ever tell you about the time I worked with a murderer? Bum, bum, bum. And that is where I'm going to end that story today. Mm -hmm. Because maybe one day we will have her call in or come visit and tell her, tell us the story herself. I was freaking out when you texted me. It's very cool. I was like, Whoa! It's somewhat a high-profile murder in Toronto as well. Shut the front door. Well, she's... Oh, the... Nope. The... Okay, so a girl died. Oh. But she was the heiress of something, if you think about her last name. Okay, anyway. <laughs> I'm sure there was another correction I wanted to do, but I don't... can't remember. Yeah, I unfortunately was kind of last minute like always writing my story so I didn't get a chance to really go oops sorry go through I probably have some as well yeah but oh I did I did have one oh shit and I forgot it because Tyler <laughs> was like I listened I, I listened to Julie's story it was really fascinating okay it was something about the people the Yakus yes whatever I knew it yeah. I knew it and the way that Sagawa's name is pronounced is Sagua. No. Mm. Mm. Correction to the correction of the catacomb corrections. Yes, we'll get we'll get a. a you know what? It doesn't matter. You guys, if you're interested, look, look it up yourself. Yeah, look it up. Okay. It's this just, is how a French person says Segawa. No, and, and that's fair. It was just there was something about <laughs> the way that when you see an A in in Japanese writing, it's actually like sort mm-hmm. of it's like an U. You know how so it'd be like Suguwa. Suguwa. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Well, if it all it's be Suguwa. Hmm. But I don't know. My vet clinic's calling me right now. Oh, uh oh, it's okay. Phoebe's okay. Oh yeah, yeah. She okay. um, I was just calling to renew her prescription this morning. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, my dog has a heart condition. So we've got let's see, we've got two stories coming up that yep. we're going to talk to you about. Is there let's anything else that we? I think that's about it. No, let's do this. Yeah, let's get right into it. Fucking a. Okay, so Jenna, first off. Hi. Hi. I'm Julie. That's Jenna. Um, We're going to tell you about murder. I want to talk to you about serial killers real quick. Can I get my pen and paper? Yes, and I forgot my pad, but it's okay. I'm going to use the back of this thing if I need it during your story. Yeah, Julie last week was taking notes and asking questions based on the notes. I think it's a great idea. It's a good good way for us to sort of uh, educate ourselves. I was saying, sometimes I'm asking questions because I'm confused, but maybe somebody out there is confused too, and it might not just be me. Or it might just be me, and you guys have to listen to my questions anyway. Well, if they have questions, they can email us at artofmurderpodcast at gmail.com. There you go. All right. Excellent. Yay. So, serial killers. Did you know that 15% are female? Only 15 now, that is actually higher than the number of as one-off killers. So serial killers, 85% are male, 15% are female. In one-off killings, only 10% are female and 90% are male. Now, these are statistics I had looked up. There's quite, people did a few research 
uh, research studies studies yeah there you go and um it's fascinating now my theory is that and i other people have this theory too i think that that number might be higher but women are better at hiding what they've done <laughs> now women usually kill for money or power in the sense of like they feel justified or whatnot, where men tend to kill for fun and pleasure. And women's murders are not so gruesome. There's not an abuse or sexual um, aspect to it. Um, they just want to get the job done. And they tend to use, which you know, like poison yeah. or exfixiation. Cyanide? Arsenic? Yeah. Is, is, that, that's that is. is that the same thing? Mm-hmm. Oh, see, I didn't know. Well, well, I, well, I don't think they're the same thing, but it is what's considered the... The women's poison. Okay. That's which is which can to- be detected, so careful. Yes. <laughs> no, we are not here to tell you how to kill people. Anyway, just thought it was an interesting fact. And if you have too many almonds. Uh, that's right. And so, uh, arsenic is something that we produce ourselves in our bodies. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, I'm not I don't know anything. But I think we do in small quantities. Oh. Yeah. That's really cool. I didn't know that. Maybe it's something we eat and then, I don't I just know. Heard you know what? something about almonds. Almond, I, if you like, I believe or cherry it. pits. Cherry pits or almonds. If you crush enough of them up, you can, whatever. Okay. Anyway, Jenna, don't give them a recipe. Whoops. So last week, um, you know what? Never mind. Okay. My story is about the giggling grandma. What? <laughs> Nanny Doss. <gasps> Ooh. Yes. Uh, I got my oh, stuff from the Ultimate Killer Collection and also Lady Killers and a Wikipedia and another website, which, forgive me, I don't remember which one. <laughs> uh, but I only took a couple little snippets from that. Anyway, 49-year-old Nanny Doss, the plump, sweet, funny, jovial, quintessential grandmotherly figure, possessed the ability to bake a mean pie. So we've got, you know, culinary, you know, arts in here as well. Ooh, my favorite. She could whip up the type of pie that would make a lonely farmer marry her on the spot. One day, she sent a buttery homemade confection all the way from her home in Tulsa, Oklahoma, to to Goldsboro, North Carolina, intended to woo a 60-year-old dairy farmer named John Keel. The man was smitten (laughs) with her humorous letter and her obvious skill in the kitchen and hoped Nanny would soon head east and be his bride. Nanny, unfortunately, was stuck in Tulsa for the time being, caring for a sick, aged aunt. But Keel felt they'd be together soon. But before Keel could get his hands on a ring, he learned something horrifying about his lady love. She had just been arrested. There was no aged aunt. There had never been an aged aunt. The person she had been caring for was her husband, and now he was dead. What? Nancy Hazel, which we know I said her name was Nanny Doss, but she was born Nancy Hazel, was born November 4th, 1905, in a tiny town called Blue Mountain in the hill country of northeast Alabama. Her childhood was harsh, and her parents were poor farmers. Her father, James Hazel, was angry, aggressive, and ruled his family with an iron fist. Yeah. That's a common theme. Yeah. You see that a lot. It's very abusive. Yeah, with, with serial killers, you often find bad home lives. She, lives. How do you know she's a serial killer? Oh. You don't know. 
Maybe. Uh, so the Hazel children were forced to work at an early age, which was common for rural areas in, at that time. They missed school, so they weren't very well educated. They would get beat if they ever acted out. By the age of five, Nanny was clearing and plowing fields and cutting wood. They, the children weren't, not, weren't allowed to have friends, nor did they have the time to have friends. See, I mean, there's something admirable about a kid working so hard, you know? Yeah. <laughs> But if you have to grow up too fast. Well, yes, she's five. <laughs> um, now, here's something. When she was seven, she suffered a severe head injury oh, while visiting family. So we have hard life, we have abusive father, and now we have the cream of the crop, a head injury. Check, check, check. Yep. She was on a train when it had... May, had to make a quick stop, which jolted her forward and banged her head on the iron frame in the seat in front of her. She experienced blackouts and pain for months and had headaches for the rest of her life. Nanny's only relief from work and pain as a child was going through her mother's romance story magazines. Ooh, I wish I could get my hands on one of those. Bow, chicka, wow, wow. <laughs> I mean, I don't think they were full-out porn, well, you well, know, for the time. I guess it's like the Harlequin <laughs> romance, right? Yeah, like, I, I guess at the time, the time of, of, time yeah. of the year, whatever, the decade that it was, it would be raunchy. That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, Nanny had little opportunity for romance in her life. Even as she grew up, her father didn't allow his girls or his wife to uh, go to barn dances, wear makeup, silk stockings, or have dresses. Listen, you don't want to wear silk stockings anyway. A little uncomfortable. Yeah. But that didn't stop Nanny from sneaking off with boys in barns and haylofts. Uh, she was kind of a flirt and really liked the attention. Now, on a side note, which had nothing to do with her flirting, I want to be very clear. In a couple articles I read, uh, they said that she had also been raped and or molested by some of the local boys. Uh, and then when she did go home to tell her parents, they didn't believe her, which, of course, at the oh. time was very common because nobody... No. Nobody did that, right? So um, it was just... No one gave a shit about women. So this is from her story. So, you know, I'm not sure. So, and again, like I said, different stories, uh, different articles, but mm. that was her, what she had said, which... But it wasn't confirmed. Well, she said it. So there's no, I think, that's going back yeah. in no, history. You know what? Any woman who talks about trauma in that way... I mean, I kind of believe it. I do. Yeah. Like, yeah. whether she or not, I, I, I believe it. If she's... Yeah. Anyway. Believe women's stories. Yes, yes. We're not, we're not opening our mouths and telling our stories for no fucking reason. That's right. That's right. That's my two cents. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how long it takes for you to open your mouth yeah. and say your story. It needs to be heard and it needs to be rectified. Well, or, yeah. Or addressed. I think, yeah. Addressed. Take when you are ready to tell your story. I've said this before, like, and I've even said it to my friends. You will find support here. Yes. With very positive and, and wonderful, courageous women. And even with, um, sorry, well, Nanny. Doss. Even with Nanny Doss's story, doesn't matter how long ago it was. The trauma and the experience yep. of sexual harassment yep. and sexual assault is awful. Yep. And... Maybe like 0.01% of women aren't telling the truth the rest of the time. Believe them because it's, it's... You have to believe. Yeah. 
Oh, everybody. Yeah. In that sense. I, I know. Yeah. Moving on. Anyway, okay. Uh, so James, her father, all while being strict regarding boys, said he would find a husband for his daughters. And eventually he found one for Nanny. Charlie Braggs uh, was a co-worker of hers where she worked at a linen company at the age of 16. He was tall, good-looking, and seemed to dote on Nanny like a husband. So they kind of, I guess, she had met him and they kind of started dating. And I think it was like her father was like, well, I have to be okay with it because he seems like a good man in a sense and he has to stick to his word in a sense. That's kind of my opinion. Uh, her father liked that the fact that Charlie was devoted to his mother and not as careless as some of the men in the area. So four months after they met for the first time, they married. Again, she was 16. The marriage turned out to, to be difficult because Charlie's mother, the one he was caring for so much, was like her father, like Nanny's father, domineering and demanding and just very unpleasant. Uh, the couple tried to go on the best they could and they had four daughters in four years holy shit oh gosh uh, nanny had some struggles especially with sharing a home with her mother-in-law which drove her to alcohol an extreme smoking habit uh, nanny began to fa- find her amusement elsewhere consorting with men in the gin palaces which is bars Ooh, that sounds amazing i know a i had to look up palace? what a gin palace was and it's like another term essentially for bars oh. so usually i think it was like an upscale fancy bar but i think some people just use it can we start calling fancy bars gin, gin palaces? palaces yes please done okay okay everybody who listens officially you must call fancy bars gin palaces yeah well you know what any any bar even if it's a rundown yeah. we're bar. going to the gin, gin palace, palace darling let's <laughs> go mm. oh the palace the palace of gin <laughs> right um yeah so the gin palaces of blue mountain where she was from oops i'm clicking my pen here again as for charlie he was such a drunk that he didn't even notice she was gone yep that's right that's that's pretty sad at other times he was out chasing women at other parts of town he was also apparently abusive as well i always thought though that if a gentleman was really really nice to his mom he usually is will be good to his wife but yeah it's true. Eh? They always say, look how, like, let's say, look how that person is treating, mm-hmm. like, if you're a woman, you want to see how your loved one is treating their mother. Mm-hmm. Or if you're a man, how that person is treating their father. Mind you, I don't think that that, that works I that way. <laughs> I don't. I, I got lucky, though. Like, yeah. oh, this is very sweet to his mom. Oh, that's I good. I have a good mother-in-law. She's pretty awesome. That's good. Hey, win-win. Yeah. Sorry about this lady, though. That sucks. Oh, this one, yeah. Um, so in 1927, shortly after the birth of their fourth child, the two middle daughters, still toddlers, mysteriously died. Mm. Oh, what? They sat down to eat breakfast per- perfectly healthy, and by noon they were dead. Nanny said it must have been food poisoning. And the doctors say their deaths were an accident, so no autopsy was performed. But Charlie, he wasn't so, so sure. He decided to... F- uh, leave the home with his oldest daughter Melvina, but left the youngest baby Florine there with Nanny. For real? Mm-hmm. So he's too drunk to notice his wife isn't in the house, mm-hmm. but not drunk enough to pay attention to the fact that his two daughters mysteriously disappeared. Well, interesting. No, not disappeared. Died. Oh, died. Sorry. No, he 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 noticed he they died, but he didn't agree oh, well, with the yeah, fact that it was. <laughs> 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 you know, he what? Knew, 
I, wait, hold on. My my daughters are dead? <laughs> he didn't agree to the fact that it was an accident. Yeah. Okay. So, and she's just like, oh, I don't know what happened. Like, they just sat down. They were fine. And all of a sudden, they had severe stomach pains. And then they just died. But he but he must have been. Oh, I don't know. Whatever. But the doctor, you know, you got to listen to the doctor. He said, oh, it must have been an accident. Doctor, doctor. Give me the news. Yeah, that's right. Got a bad case of loving you. you. That one. Nice. Uh, So Charlie described later how he was scared of his wife and refused to eat and drink anything when she was in a bad mood. Hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I have so many things to say to this, but no, we'll keep going. Charlie was gone for a whole year. Shortly after he left, his mother died. Yep. And Nanny remained in their home. When he came back, he was with another woman, a divorcee, 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 yeah, and asked Nanny for a divorce for the return of their eldest daughter, Melvina. She granted him the divorce, and Charlie Bragg was the only husband to make it out alive. Yes. And this was her first one. There's more. Oh, shit. Yes. So, again, you got to think, first of all, so he leaves with the oldest daughter, leaves the baby with her, then brings back the oldest, eldest daughter just to be like, okay, here, as a bargaining chip, you can have your kid back as long as you give me a divorce. So, and was, and how sorry, do you feel just about, to yeah. <clears throat> go back, was the mother-in-law still living? Well, yeah, because it was his house, right? So, so he, they moved in together. So it was her, Charlie, mm-hmm. and his mom. Right. He left, leaving the mother there with Nanny. Oh, mm-hmm. oh boy. Mm. Anyway, I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying. Holy shit. So Nanny moved back uh, in her family home and found work at a cotton mill not far from Blue Mountain. So she moved back. So she still liked those romance magazines and decided to try her luck in the Lonely Hearts column she liked so much. Remember those? Those little sexy ads? Looking for male, tall, likes long walks on the beach, baking pies in the afternoon, going to church on Sunday, and then taking a slice out of life. Nice. Call me. Well, would <laughs> or be write mail. to me. It would be mail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So she wrote to lots of men who had advertised, but one stood out more than others. Frank Harrelson, a handsome 23-year-old worker in Jacksonville. After making contact, Frank fell for Nanny. And they were married in 1929. She was 24. So two years after, she had divorce brags. Unfortunately, Frank was in debt, an alcoholic who also served a jail time for assault. He was not at all what he said he was. You mean you were catfished, Nanny? Huh? Mm-hmm. Another alcoholic, too. Yep. And the frequent visits from the police to let her know that her husband was in jail for drunkenness again. Uh, confirm that fact. She, he was also abusive, just like her father. But Nanny persevered with the marriage for 16 years. Holy shit. I know. I mean, that's a whole other psychological kind of thing. Like, yeah. Looking for her childhood, she's almost like... I don't want to say the word used to it, but like, like she's got to not feel good about herself in the sense of like, this had nothing to do with her. Okay, again, the killing, I'm not talking about the killing. I'm just talking about the specific situation. Okay, you have choices. Um, <laughs> yes. But you like, do you, do you like, do you feel bad? You know? Actually, it's funny you should say that. Yeah. Internally, I'm struggling with that. Yes. for 16 years, if you're in an abusive relationship and potentially had if you're if you've potentially killed already to get rid of your problems i I don't know i don't know i'm conflicted 
I'm saying is probably brewing inside of her. Yeah. Don't worry if you do feel bad for her. You won't after 16 years. Um, <laughs> no, but during the time, again, during the time, I, we, yeah. It's shitty. You can't, you can't, there's no, yeah. Abuse of any sh- kind is yes. really crappy. Yeah. Regardless of who you, well, regard, yes, regardless of who you are, abuse is shitty. Okay, let's keep going. Um, you'll feel less bad right now. Uh, <laughs> Nanny's daughter, so it's, during this marriage, Nanny's daughter, Melvina, already had one son, Robert. And was also pregnant again in 1945. So Nanny, the doting grandmother, remember she was very like people loved her. She was funny. She was, you know, like I described her as plump. She liked that. And, you know, just like your typical grandmother that you would trust yeah. to make any pies for you. I'm at, picturing Mrs. Potts any, right now. Any, yes, she is Mrs. Potts. <laughs> oh. I actually have pictures of her and she looks like she could play Mrs. Potts in Beauty and the Beast. Yeah? Yeah. So Nanny, the doting grandmother, was present for the birth and nursed the baby when it finally arrived. However, her daughter Melvina later told how when she laid semi-conscious from the anesthetic in bed, she saw Nanny with the newborn baby cradled in her arms and then thought she saw her mother with a very long hat pin and drove it into the child's head. What? The doctor could not figure out why the baby girl died shortly thereafter. And like right into her head. I mean, I don't know where, but okay. maybe her soft spot, maybe her... De- I don't know. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they didn't describe that. Um, yeah. Uh, drive it into child's head. The doctors, yeah, couldn't figure out why she died. And then Robert, the son, I think it was two, died in Nanny's care as well. The doctors concluded it was asphyxia from unknown causes, which could happen if you're having like a seizure or that kind of thing, right? Now, Melvina had lost both of her children. Nanny appeared distraught and sad at the gravesite. But a couple months later, Nanny seemed to have perked up when she received a $500 check from the insurance policy she had taken out on her grandson. What? Mm-hmm. Yep. Holy shit. I know. Okay. Yeah. She confessed later. She did it. Um, in case you didn't hear that, it doesn't matter. August 1945, so the same year, the random tragedy striking the family isn't over. And now, <laughs> it was Frank's turn. On the 15th, that's her husband, on the 15th of September, he went out to celebrate the end of World War II and also welcoming home some of his friends. When he came home drunk and demanding sex from Nanny, he also, uh, she turned him down, he also allegedly raped her, which, as an abusive drunk, again, I believe it. Nanny was furious and finally fed up and determined to take action. The next day, she found his corn whiskey jar in the garden where he hid it. I'm not sure why, but I guess he hid it. She poured some of the contents out and filled it with rat poison and then put it back. That evening, Frank had himself a drink and all of a sudden found himself in excruciating stomach pain and then dying immediately. He was 38 years old. Wow. Nanny rinsed out the jar to wipe away any evidence. Oh, my God. (laughs) I Okay. Yep. Mm, He's kind of an asshole. He is. Good riddance, but... Murder is wrong. Murder is wrong. But then we would have nothing to talk about. That's true. So again, she she moved again. Now again, again, can I say again one more time in the sentence, please? Uh, she constantly was moving. So the police never, you know, had, 
you know, if you stayed in the same spot all the time, they would kind of like, hey, wait a minute. So she constantly kept moving. So people around her would have no idea that this had happened to her previously. Uh, So she would stay when somebody died. She would stay for maybe a month or two and then pick up and go to not arouse suspicion. So she moved again to Lexington in 1947. Within two days, two days of meeting him, she married a man called Arlie Lanning that she met through a Lonely Heart column. Aw, we're back here again. Yes. So again, she is really good at, you know, baking, that culinary arts there. And I want to believe that she was really good with the spoken word (laughs) because the way she could write a letter would make these men fall in love with her. So baked pies and... Her penmanship were yes. panty droppers. Yeah. <laughs> Bo- boxer droppers? Box- boxer droppers. Pantaloon Pant- droppers? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So this was a whirlwind romance, but again, he was a cheater and a drunk. Whether it got too much for, whenever it got too much for Nanny, she would leave for months on end this time. And when she would return, he would promise he would remain faithful and stop drinking. His promises would never last long. When she was at home, she appeared like a lovely, devoted wife, and her absence would all be explained because either she was taking care of her sister, who had cancer, or to look after Arlie's 85-year-old mother. So at face value, they seemed fine. But of course, they definitely had issues, and the neighbors gossiped, as Arlie could often be found in the red-light district. Hmm. But then Arlie suddenly died of heart failure, as the doctor concluded that there there was no... Uh, sorry, heart failure, because um, he was a heavy drinker and he was also potentially suffering from a serious flu that was going around at the time. So, of course, no autopsy was performed. God damn it. Nana said, he just sat down to drink a cup of coffee and a bowl of prunes I specially prepared for him. Specially? And then he was gone. And also funny that non, not long after his death, the house they shared burnt to the ground. His house was left to his sister in his will. But before the sister had taken ownership, it was burnt. And then the spouse, Nanny, was the one that collected the insurance money. It was also weird how she managed to get out her beloved TV set out of the house before the fire. She said something about it needing to be mended and fixed. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she had nowhere to live. Uh, so right after the fire, Arlie's mom, the 85-year-old lady who was so kind, uh, said she could live with her. But shortly after she moved in, about four or five days, I believe, she died in her sleep. Oh, yeah. what, a co- what a coincidence and very convenient. I know. So she then moved in with her, si- her sick sister. Her sister really started to deteriorate right after Nanny got there. And on June 30th, she died in her sleep. No. Her sister. Yep. No. You don't say. Now, all this, Nanny still believed in love. And she still wanted to find her one true love uh, her whole life. That was her dream. So soon, Nanny joined the Diamond Circle Club, which is a dating service. It's essentially like Tinder of the older ages. Ooh, swipe right, please. <laughs> yes. Swipe right with my penmanship. It was, a, again, a Lonely Heart organization that sent out monthly newsletters for $15 a year. That's a lot of money. $15 a year? Yeah, I'm thinking 1952. I mean, I guess it's... I wonder what that, what that would be in... I'm going to say it's uh, $98 now. Hmm. I totally made that up just now on the spot. No but idea. 
That seems very reasonable. Yeah. Very accurate. I guess that's not that ma- much, really. If you look at all the dating websites now, it's more like $200 every three months or something. Yeah, but we're millennials. We have no money. So that's a lot of money. That's true. For dating. Okay. <laughs> Uh, in 1952, she decided to find another husband. She was 47 years old and beginning to lose her looks. Therefore, it seemed to make sense to look for someone who was older. Richard Morton from Emporia, Kansas. He had, he had been a salesman, but now in retirement, he was looking for a woman to share that with. Diamond Circle put him in touch with Nanny. She then moved to Emporia and they were married October 1952. Morton was a handsome man, and he treated her well at first. He would buy her presents and jewelry. However, she realized that it was all being done on credit. Oh. Everything. Credit, credit, credit. He owed everyone. Not Not only that, he was also sleeping around with other girls in town. Nanny realized it was a mistake to marry him. But I'd say so. But for Nanny... That wasn't really a problem. (laughs) (laughs) But his demise was delayed by a visit from her mom following the death of her father. In in a world where time is money, (laughs) that was a direct copy-paste, Natty couldn't wait any longer, and her mother tragically died. She suffered stomach pains shortly after arriving at her house. It's very sad. What? And then died. That's so that's so heartbreaking. No. And then Nanny's husband, Richard Morton, died a short while after, May 19th, 1953. When it rains, it pours blood. Or, or stomach pains. Yeah, or arsenic. Or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> after Richard's death, she moved to Oklahoma. Oklahoma, where the sun goes. I don't know. Nanny's fifth husband, a 59-year-old Samuel Doss, a Nazarene minister. Oh. Yes. Hmm. He was dealing with the loss of his wife and nine children who were killed by a tornado that had engulfed Madison County, Arkansas. Holy shit. I know. I know. That's, yeah. So not only are you a man of the cloth. Of the cloth? Is that the right way to say it? Cloth? Robe? Robe? I don't know. Not I mean, only are you a man of... I'm thinking about cloth, like Tarzan? I feel like... cloth? Yeah, you could be right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I've heard that phrase said before about priests, but not only are you a, a very religious man, you probably keep in line with your Bible teachings. You also have a devout family and a loving wife, and boom, they're just taken yeah. from you in one fell That's suit. horrible. So he was a God-fearing individual who was, uh, obviously, who was not like her previous husbands. He didn't drink, he didn't smoke, or commit adultery. Yeah. He was very thrifty. Unfortunately, he was also deadly boring. (laughs) 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 Well, yeah. He sounds like my mom's last boyfriend. He didn't know what mashed potatoes were. Oh, no. Yep. Okay, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to talk about that later. So the couple married in June of 1953. Okay, again, I just want to, in case you weren't following the dates, her husband Morton died May 19th, 1953, and she married in June of 1953. Okay, as long as you got Aww. those those dates in order. Nanny was quickly fed up, 
Sex was always pre-scheduled, and her romance novels and magazines were banned. What? I know. Even the electric fan was only allowed to be turned on when the temperature was insane, and the lights had to be turned off religiously when leaving a room. He sounds fun. Oh, she's going to spit her tea out. There's going to be a tea oh all my over God. the couch. <laughs> Couldn't even have the freaking fan on? No. He's what like was, really like he's he really relaxed. This guy, he's really like chill. Oh yeah. He's like whatever. Is he afraid that like the fan would turn her on? I like, think it's a money thing. He's super thrifty. Oh, like he needs to save every si- single penny. So that's electricity. Yeah. <sighs> so she was fed up, but delighted that Sam had made some mistakes. Firstly, he had given her equal access to his bank account. Secondly, he had taken out two insurance policies in which she was the sole beneficiary. If only he had known about the prunes. (laughs) One evening after a delicious prune pie, which that sounds disgusting to me. Yeah. I've never, I've never had one. So maybe it's not somebody, you know, ever wants to make me a gluten-free prune pie. I'll try it. But if it's laced with arsenic, I'm so mad. (laughs) Um... So yes, after eating a delicious prune pie, Samuel expressed severe stomach pains. Now he was taken to the hospital where he stayed for 23 days, and they said he must have suffered some infection of that digestive tract. Upon being released from the hospital, Nanny served him a cup of coffee and a pork roast. Unfortunately for him, the coffee was laced with arsenic, and by midnight, he was dead. Don't ever fuck with a person's coffee. <laughs> ever. <laughs> or prune pie. Well, yes. But <laughs> like, don't no. fuck with coffee. <laughs> it's she's sacred. She's really passionate about her coffee? Yep. Wow. Um, this time, though, doctors, perturbed by the sudden illness and death, he finally ordered an autopsy. Yay! Welcome to the first autopsy. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. The official result? Arsenic was found in Doss's system in horse-killing quantities. Holy balls. Nanny was arrested and police started looking into her history, learning that four of her husbands had died suspiciously. She then confessed in the murder of her husband, her mother-in-law, her sister, her own mother, and her grandson but she was only tried for Samuel Doss's death. She confessed to eight murders, but people think it was up to 11 killed. She eventually pled guilty. Despite being a horrific murderer, Doss seemed to enjoy the limelight of her arrest and often joked about her dead husbands and the method she used to kill them. Those in the courtroom, courtroom jury failed to see the humor, and for her crimes, she was sentenced to life in prison on May 17, 1955. But the state did not pursue the death penalty due to her gender. A little sexist, I think. She's a fucking murderer. It's okay. She died in prison of leukemia on June 2nd, 1965. She was 59 years old. And that, my dear, is my friend, Nanny Doss, the serial killer. That was amazing. You know what I realized? I'm so sorry. Now that's a... When we say serial killer, that's when Siri picks up my voice. Really? Yes. Oh, Look that's at, amazing. I said, hey, Siri, our killer. She goes, I'm afraid I don't know the answer to that. <gasps> <laughs> okay, this is why I keep my phone as far away from here as possible. That's kind of 
creepy. It's and almost amazing. I know. It's like they. It, it it's knows. like your phone knows you. Siri knows you so well. Anyway, yes, the giggling grandma. Holy shit! There's so many little anecdotes, guys. If you want to go look her up, there's also apparently a movie, and I can't remember the name of the movie, but I saw that there was a movie based on her, and um, it's the all the facts and all the little tidbits you can get is so fascinating. What's the movie called? I don't, I just said I don't know. Oh, sorry. It's okay. You're fixing your headset. Yeah, my headset just immediately was like, I'm gonna cut out and not let you know that things are recording. <laughs> Yay. technical issues brilliant so that is my murder so oh if, my God. if you guys need to uh pause this because your lunchtime is over mind you that wasn't too long no that was great um and then come back for jenna's murder but yeah jenna's about to murder i keep <clears throat> clicking this pen i need to get a pen that doesn't click because i don't want people to hear it okay so let's let's take a little let's take a little tp break all right i'm gonna refresh my tea okay take a pee i'm gonna drink my tea during this murder i'm gonna tell you about nice well you'll see okay okay be back in a bit bye i think we're recording perfect next week i'm home alone so i'll be like extra oh i shouldn't say this on the recording i just think i'll I'm take it out extra creepy <gasps> leaving if i leave at nighttime during classes and then going home to it i hate going home late at night to a home that's empty mm-hmm. oh makes me you better text me i will actually i'm gonna video call you the you whole should. time i'm gonna keep you on the video call all night you should on my phone yeah my bed i'll okay. go to sleep with you okay i guess i stay up till two anyways yeah baby you'll go to sleep with me it's <laughs> <laughs> my plan all along that's why we're doing the podcast yay how to get in bed with jenna well if we ever have to go on tour it won't be two beds it'll just be oh, one shit. and tyler can be on the the cot tyler can take care of bowie here at home mm-hmm. <laughs> i Someone's love you tyler need you too. okay Oh, welcome back. Okay, it's my turn. Yes, it is. Okay, let's do this. I'm really excited. Now, uh, I'm going to throw caution to the wind. It's a little bit long, but... It's good. I know. We want to hear it. Okay. We don't care. Are you ready? And if you do care, we don't care. Yeah. (laughs) All right. The stroke of a brush. Ooh. The slice of a knife. A question unanswered for 130 years. <gasps> an impressionist painter or an infamous serial killer. Today, I present my story called Sick Art Jack. What? The Life and Tale of Walter Sickert and Jack the Ripper. <gasps> oh, no. Okay, first of all, how is this not like 18 episodes? I'm sorry. I don't right? Know. Yeah, yeah. No, <clears throat> that's why I said it was a bit long. So. Okay. Oh, my God. I, mm. Okay. <laughs> I've been right. thinking I wanted to do Jack the Ripper, but I would wait because... Anyway, it doesn't matter. Who cares? Go. It is, I, I did as much consolidating of really poignant facts that had to do with Walter only. Okay. I didn't really go much into Jack the Ripper... Jack the Ripper as an individual. Okay. But how the two could potentially be one and the same. What? All right. Walter Sickert was born May 31st, 1860 in Munich, Germany, to Oswald Sickert, who was an artist, and Eleanor Louisa Henry, apparently a daughter of like a famous astronomer. Sickert did not find the art world at first. Even though he came from a long line of painters like his father and grandfather, he actually found a love and passion for the theater first. Around 1871, he belonged to Sir Henry Irving's company, playing in small roles. Hmm. Uh, Sir Henry Irving um, was a very famous actor. And fun fact, he worked with Bram Stoker. 
<laughs> and Sir Irving is the inspiration behind Dracula. It was in 1881 when Walter decided to make the switch to study art. He worked as an assistant to James Abbott McNeil Whistler. It's a very long name. Uh, and he was doing etchings with him, like studying and being his apprentice, apprentice doing printmaking. Nice. His first set of paintings were small tonal studies painted a la prima. What's a la prima? It's done very quickly without letting the layers underneath dry. Yeah. And very often thicker paints. Yeah. 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 Uh, and taken from Whistler's examples of like f- nature. So were you testing me there? Is that what just happened? A little bit. <laughs> I also didn't know what it was. <laughs> uh, Jenna, I taught you that specifically in class. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. I didn't take notes. I wasn't listening to you. I was a bad student. Yeah. Anyway, no, no, I listen. I'm going to chew gum and pass notes in class. I did. <laughs> Obviously, to my lovers. <laughs> anyway, back to murder. Okay. So then in 1883, he met Edgar Degas uh, in Paris. We know, and, mm-hmm. and we know who Degas, Degas' work uh, and advice had a huge influence in developing Walter's own personal version of Impressionism. The pervert style? Anyway. I'm yeah. Gonna, I'm going to jump over that. Actually, that's true. Oh, okay. Well, because he tell was. You, I'll tell you a little bit about well, not that Degas you... was a pervert. Well, yeah, you, anyway, that's a whole other podcast. I mean, he's painting little girls in ballet. <gasps> oh. And also, at some point, the ballet, there was some sort of link to uh, some sort of sexual, not saying that those were, but some sort of, I don't know if it was like, like, um, I don't want to say sex workers, because I don't think it was by choice, but mm-hmm. that kind of like uh, selling women and or children oh. or something. Which is interesting. Oh, Okay. <laughs> By the way, I could just be making all this up from what I think I heard at some point in my life, but I'm pretty sure that that's somewhat accurate. Okay, tell me more. Yeah, it sounds like it. Um, With a couple of years under his belt, his first major works of art were exhibited at NEAC, which is called the New English Art Club. It's unfortunate, but the work was not well received. The subject of one of his pieces in the exhibit was of a well-known music hall singer of the time. Mm -hmm. In this day and age, depicting female performance performers were very it was very controversial the work was seen as vulgar and ugly so it's common knowledge that in the victorian era female performers were looked down upon people often believe they were more or less just sex workers only yeah and people saw his work as a foreshadowing that this was going to be the rest of his his style like he was right. going to be just doing portraits of musical um and musical and acting performers, female performers, and they weren't wrong. Uh, Walter had a mistress and maybe an illegitimate son, but many of his models he painted were believed to be sex workers, and Sickert had sexual relations with them. Many paid, but Sickert claimed that he was a good husband and believed strongly in monogamy, Mm -hmm. and later he felt otherwise. And he finally told his... So his mistress was technically his wife, but they were, like, having sex at first, then they married... And now he's like, no, I don't want to be in a monogamous relationship. I just want right. to be very promiscuous. Which was typical of mm-hmm. artists at the time. Yeah. It, yeah. The it whole was sex a, worker paying them to model. And with Degas being, a, you know, pedophile? an influence. Well, that, yeah. No. I'm going to say it. I said it. Yeah. I think. If the ghost of Degas comes and visits me, I'll, come, I'll be kind of psyched. <laughs> for a Is second. he going to be like Bob Marley and, and like the, a, <laughs> a Christmas carol? Um, anyways. <laughs> Uh, um, 
Another subject and fascination for Walter was urban culture and working in the working class. He purchased most of his studios in and around the Cumberland Market and then in 1905 in Camden Town. It was around this time that Sickert was gaining notoriety and working in his studio in Camden actually had paid off for him. Hmm. All right, let's get into the juicy details. Yes. On September 11th, 1907, a woman named Emily Dimmick was murdered in her home at Agar... Agar Grove. So at the time, like in nineteen in the nineteen hundreds, it was actually called St. Paul's Road. Okay. Let me say this. In any in any other case, even relevant to a story, a person's profession should not be a strike against them or taken as a negative. So just because she was a sex worker, it it doesn't matter. You, yeah. You you don't you don't, you no, don't murder. It's a person. Yeah. Um but in a lot of Sickert's figurative work, he did paint sex workers. So it's very interesting that this case really kind of grabbed his attention. Um, here is how the events of September 11th, 1907 actually unfolded. After returning home from the Inglet, from the Eagle public house with a man she had been cheating on with her partner, her partner with, so she was kind she had a partner. She did not tell him that she was taking on other other clients. Mm -hmm. Emily and her lover engaged in sexual intercourse after falling asleep with the man slit her throat, staying with her body until the morning. When she was found, her head was almost completely severed. It was said that the cut went from ear to ear. Oh. There was blood covering the bed, dripping to pool on the floor, and her petticoat had smearings of her blood where the killer had wiped his hands. They even found significant amounts of blood in her wash basin, most likely from the guy trying to wash off his hands, and then he went to her petticoat and tried to get the remainder off. Right. So... Murder is as good of a subject than any other, Sickert said later in his life. Mm. Because it was this turn of events that inspired Sickert to create his most famous and controversial series called The Camden Town Murder. The first one, the first piece that he created had like a whole bunch of different titles, but the one that it's most famous for is called What Shall We Do for Rent? The mm. piece depicts a naked lady laying on her bed with a shadowy figure looming and studying her with crossed arms. Uh, and I couldn't find, there, there's four pieces in total. I couldn't find anything that like confirmed the, that there, the other two pieces in this series. I only could find two piece, pieces of work that were um, actually backed up by saying these two pieces were in Are, this collection. Okay. Okay. Which you're going to post. I will, yes. Brilliant. The second piece feels more defined as a story. Hmm. A woman is lying breathless on her bed. Her head is turned away from you, but you can see the difference in color on her face. It appears to be a light maroon as opposed to the pale bright pink that melts across her naked body. You will find yourself drawn to the even bolder maroon blanket that sits on her bed, currently occupied by a man sitting atop. He is slouched over. Hands held together in front of him with his head down, thinking about his next move or feeling shameful for the terrible crime he just committed. Holy shit. This is like old timey snuff videos. Oh. He loved naked. He loved painting naked, naked dead women. women. Who knows? Uh, is it? Oh, no, I was going to say a very <laughs> tacky joke. Um, no. That's okay. Let's say it's, they don't, at least they don't move. But no, that's, that's not funny, guys. Hey, that's you know not what? Funny. When he, I, 
I had this realization yesterday while writing this. I put so many jokes into my story and I was and I had thought to myself, why am I doing it? It's because in uncomfortable situations, yes. the only way to get through them is is to try to ma- make a joke. Yes. Yeah, like you know, you can you know, I got the that nervous laughter. Somebody tells me something horrible, mm-hmm. which I mean, you have told me things where I just like start laughing. I'm like, it's, yep, it's funny, but it's not funny. It's just I don't know what to do other than laugh because I, other than that, the reality of the situation sometimes is too much. Yeah, anyway. it, it's it's a coping me- mechanism. Wow. So like you know, okay, uncomfortableness detected. Find find us fifty cc's of jokes. Stat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, is it that Walter Sickert really truly had a passion for painting the bad side of town and its favorite inhabitants? Or was it that he had a fever? And the only prescription was killing Emily Dimmick and hiding the truth in his paintings. Okay. Okay. So, let's go into a little bit about Mr. Ripper. All right. He was outspoken, Sickert, in his fascination of crime and murder and specifically of a very fame, infamous man. Sickert claimed to actually live in the room that this man first started his blood-soaked path of terror in London in 1888. He even painted a piece showing a creature outlined in white window blinds, standing headless in front as the viewer peers down a hallway, and it's called Jack the Ripper's Bedroom. Could the painting actually be a self-portrait and a reflection of an old past? Okay, and the, the timelines, mm-hmm. they match up. I'll get to that. Okay. Because that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, hang on. Something was in 1907. I was like, how, long, how old was the... We'll say, we'll say that there are two people right now. Artists. Said, okay, okay, keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Okay. I need to know. <clears throat> the year is 1888. The location is east, the east of London. This was considered the slums of London, and there were too many young female sex workers popping up dead. It is on record that there are only five confirmed Ripper murders. However, mm-hmm. there are up to six additional unsolved murders that could be linked to Jack the Ripper. Yeah. If we go by the timeline of the canonical five, his terror ended only three months after his first killing in November 1888. But if we go by all 11, they don't have a fancy name, the murders stopped in February 1891. Mm-hmm. This case specifically took place in the Whitechapel District of London, and there was a huge public interest in the murder. Like, so much so that the entire area became obsessed, and when it came down to, like, trying to solve this crime and it couldn't get solved, um, the police commissioner and, and secretary actually decided to resign because the town was so upset that they didn't couldn't solve it. It was just that captivating of a, of a case for the entire area. All right, let's look at the timeline. On August 31st, 1888, Mary Ann Nichols was found on Bucks Row, which is a street. Mm-hmm. Um, Charles Cross saw a lump of something and grabbed Robert Paul to go with him to examine what was Mary Ann Nichols' body. Her throat was slit. She was on her back and her insides had been ripped out. Oh. Basically, they're just like, blah, blah. okay. <laughs> they're like, what? Okay. That's my... She even acted it out, guys. (laughs) Okay. On September 8th, 1888, Annie Chapman was found at 29 Hanbury Street at the back of her apartment. Her throat was slit and even worse than the first murder. Okay, well, nothing is really worse than, like, having your 
innards sort of spew out, but the really kind of really shitty and very humiliating part of this was her womb was actually removed. Oh. It's really fucked up. Which um, one? Uh, this is Annie Chapman. Okay, so this was the Chapman. second okay. of yeah. the Ripper murders. Right. Uh, usually, if you're going to go get your womb taken out, you go to a gyno for that one. A yeah. doctor, you say, though? Maybe a little anesthetic. Was she dead at the time? Mm-hmm. She, well, oh. yeah. She was. She, it was confirmed that when she was found, it oh, had been like 30 minutes. The weird thing is, a lot of these Ripper murders, the coroner's report states that Almost each of them were had been dead for about 30 to 45 minutes each. So there's like a weird before they were found? So when they were found, okay. It it was conf- it was said that the bodies had been dead for at least 30 mm. to 45 minutes. Wow. All five of these so ones. So they were found pretty oops. Soon. Mhm. Yeah. So when I say like you usually go to a doctor f- to have you know, uh-huh. certain things done. The coroner finalized his report on Marianne, or not, sorry, not Marianne, Annie on Chapman. Annie Chapman. Yep. He said that the way in which the womb was removed, the killer must have some knowledge of the human oh. anatomy. He would need to know his way around the female body to perform a removal like he did. Who, who do we know that was around a lot of women and might have known their bodies pretty well? Well, and also, if you, I don't know if the artist went to art school, but you learn anatomy and all that stuff, too. <gasps> Dude, I didn't even friggin' think about that. Oh, yeah. I mean, you learn, you learn muscle, yeah. and then you learn bones, <gasps> and you know, so you learn that. So, I mean, that's a hip, that's just a little hop, skip, and a jump away to oh the my God. womb. I'm freaking out inside. Mm-hmm. That even makes this more plausible. Mm-hmm. But, okay, anyways. Okay, September 27th, 1888. The Central News Agency received a letter. It's a fucking weird letter that was actually signed Jack the Ripper to. <clears throat> it was published. And that's how he got his name, Jack the Ripper. He actually wrote and... I'll, and he gave himself a, a nickname? A nick, yeah. He, and he wrote underneath it, it, don't mind giving me a trade name. He actually wrote that. So, oh, God. you know, let's get into the mood here. Okay. <clears throat> um, maybe some ominous music? That's good. That's good. Uh, should I do it in an English accent too? Would it make it more like? I don't know. I don't. I don't know if that's offensive. If you, there is theories that uh, the serial killer was a, a woman too. <gasps> mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, that Jack the Ripper was a woman. Jill the Ripper. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Okay, I'm gonna pretend that I'm Jill the Ripper. Okay. You know what? Do it. All and right. you know what? All right. Let's there do this, dear boss. Sounds I keep on hearing the police have caught me. But they won't fix me just yet. I have laughed when they look so clever and talk about being on the right track. The joke about leather apron give me, gave me real fits. I'm down on whores and I shan't quit ripping them till I do get buckled. Grand work the last job was. I gave the lady no time to squeal. How can they catch me now? I love my work. And want to start again. You will soon hear of me with my funny little games. I saved some of the proper red stuff in a ginger beer bottle over the last job to write with. But it went thick like glue and I can't use it. Red ink is fit enough, I hope. (laughs) Ha ha. 
the next job I do, I shall clip the lady's ear off and send to the police officers just for jolly, wouldn't you? Keep this letter back till I do. A bit more work? Then give it out straight. My knives, so nice and sharp. And I want to get to work right away if I get a chance. Good luck. Yours truly, Jack the Ripper. Don't mind giving me the trade name. P.S. Wasn't good enough to post this before I got all the red ink off my hand. Curse it. No luck yet. They say I'm a doctor now. Ha <laughs> uh, Was that released to the public? The yes, doctor theory? It was. It was actually, they did decide to publish the letter. Um, and not hold it back mm-mm. as the letter. You'd think you would say, if he thinks he's a doctor, you'd be like, Dr. Jack the Ripper or something, right? Yeah. If, if you would play with it, Dr. Ripper. It, that's an interesting theory. I, I don't know. Mate, like, I don't, I can't tell if he's sort of poking fun at the coroner's report that he might be a doctor or if he's like, haha, you actually, you, you probably are looking for a doctor, but in reality, I'm not. I'm not. Cool. I'm going to start giving myself nicknames from now on. Cool. I am going to be Princess Consuela Banana Hammock. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Can the Friends writers give us uh, can permission, permission to, to do that? Because that would be awesome. Her. Jack the Ripper. Anyway. If anybody wants to give us some cool fucking nicknames, go for it. It's only episode two. They don't know us well enough. Hmm. But you can try. But you know, I you mean. Can, you can try and we <clears throat> can just say no. That's true. JJ. Yeah, we are JJ. Okay. All right. <clears throat> so that was the first letter. All right. So let's get back into this. September 20th, 1888. Elizabeth Stride was found on, off of Burner Street, but only her throat was cut. So this is a mm. this is an, a weird piece of information that let's pin that, okay? Okay. September 20th, 1888 again. Just west of Elizabeth Stride's murder in Muir Str- Square, Catherine Eddowes was found brutally murdered. Her throat was severed, abdomen ripped open, and mm. he removed her left kidney and her uterus. After this brutal killing, he wound up heading close by where the first murder took place that night and dropped a piece of Catherine's apron. It would be the only significant clue the investigators found during the entire case. Not much came of the apron and because there was only like a message written on it in chalk and it wasn't anything like it didn't tie anything to anything. It just said the Jews are the men that will not be blamed for nothing. I know nothing there was no follow-up about it i need to know more all right the police department received a second letter dated october 1st 1888 it claimed to be written by jack the ripper again the handwriting from the first letter is very accurate to the second letter in this letter he gives details about the murder that no one from the public could have known about yet so even though the letter was dated october 1st it was given right away, like at, right after September 20th. No date. There was no date that I could find that specifically said when the, when the um, um, police got the letter. Okay. It just said that it was dated October 1st. Okay. It just said shortly after the, first, the, the, the September 20th double murder. All right. Here we go. I was not cotting, dear old boss, when I gave you the tip. 
You'll hear about Saucy Jack's work tomorrow. Double event this time. Number one squealed a bit, couldn't finish straight off. Had not got time to get ears off for the police. Thanks for keeping last letter back till I got to work again. Jack the Ripper. So the public didn't even know about the double murder yet. So basically, um, okay. So I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. Let me just tell you about the, like the last one. November 9th, 1888, the last confirmed Ripper murder and the most gruesome Mary Jane Kelly was found mutilated and disemboweled lying on her bed at 13 Miller's Court. Her throat was severed right down to her spine, her abdomen almost emptied of its organs, and her heart had been taken. The police even stated that this was the most disgusting. Like, her entire face was ripped apart. I've got pictures of what she looked like. They had to try to, like... I was wondering if there was pictures. Yeah, they had to stitch her body back together, and when you see the stitched version of her, like you know that they they did the best that they could with what they had. Oh, God. And this is, I started putting a lot of jokes into this, like, at this point, because I'm like, I, 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 yeah, I took them out, though. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about a little bit of the investigation side. Let's put some pieces together. Elizabeth Stride was a questionable victim in the Ripper case because she was the only victim to not have their abdomen ripped open. But Elizabeth Stride and Mary Jane Kelly's murder happened on the same day. Elizabeth was said to have been dead for only 30 minutes. Remember how I said of all of the all of the cases, all yeah. of the five, these th- these five women are called the canonical five. Um, they're they, they found 30 minutes after 30 to 45 minutes after they died. Essentially, like they're yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it was this um, Elizabeth's murder where the location was was only was less than 15 minutes away from the location of the of the second murder so we've got um elizabeth stride she (laughs) only had her throat slit yep and 15 minutes less than 15 minutes away was the location of elizabeth uh, of um uh catherine eddowes murder so and she was she f- cut up completely like it and the way that they describe it was Edo's murder was violent like this was very spontaneous not spontaneous but like there was a- there was anger behind it yeah he's always been very meticulous in his in his first two killings and this one was weird um all right so elizabeth was said to have died only an hour after catherine Edo's murder and the okay. report pointed out that her murder was sloppy and violent, making it very plausible that Jack the Ripper, while in the middle of his ritual while killing um, Elizabeth Stride, he was spotted and angrily fe- fled, taking out on poor Catherine Eddowes. Right. Okay. So I made mention of six other murders that could be linked to Jack the Ripper. The unfortunate truth is when a sex worker was murdered, nobody gave a shit. Yeah. Even today, there are cases of sex workers not getting the same amount of deserved attention in criminal cases, and it's pretty yep. shitty. It it's, is. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You're a human being. So many of the six additional murders weren't investigated thoroughly enough to give significant proof that they were connected. It's very likely. It's very likely. Um, and it was only until Annie Chapman's murder uh, where it finally 
gained uh, public attention. So she was the second one to get murdered. And that was where the public interest started coming about. Okay. Jack the Ripper, even today, is still the most famous serial killer in the world. That he is. Mm -hmm. So was he, in fact, Walter Sickard? Well, I don't know. Let me tell you. Okay, you tell me. There is a lady named Patricia uh, Cornwell who seems to think so. And she's devoted her entire life to writing about and trying to solve this mystery of is Walter Sicker Jack the Ripper? So she spent $2 million of her own money to buy a crap ton of his work, like a lot. And even, even his writing desk. She brought his his letters, his paintings, his writing desk. What did she do? How does she have so much money? Well, she's a true crime novelist. Okay. And so she got a lot of her money from the success of her true crime novels. But I was, during my research of her, she seems like a little bit of an oddball. Like, I don't know. Maybe she, takes it one step too far? I think so. Okay. And so let's take all of the things that I say with a grain of salt. All right. I do stretch but it seems very likely, like, not, I shouldn't say it seems very likely, but it's an interesting Take theory. On it. Yeah. Okay. okay. So, um, I also find it very amusing that Sickert himself did joke about some of these theories. Later in life, Sickert recanted that one day a group of ladies turned a corner and saw him and shouted, it's him, run, it's Jack the Ripper, it's Jack the Ripper. Uh, <laughs> so was he so let's take a look at some of the similarities okay it i know like you know you're you're just getting so he he um i believe he died in like 1949 so he lived a de- reasonably well life and he was still very popular as an impressionist pa- painter well into the 1920s um but just to come out and say like oh yeah people people often looked at me and shouted Hey, look, it's Jack the Ripper. Okay. Sure. <laughs> um, all right. Simula- similarities between the two characters. Characters, people, whatever. It was believed that Jack the Ripper was between the ages of 25 and 35 years old. And around this time, Sickert would have been 28. Both white and fair haired due to like witness accounts, with an above average IQ. Even though he did very well for himself and could easily have afforded a place in upper in an upper class area sickert's passion for urban culture drew him to live in the east end of london many people debunk the idea that sickert was around during the time of the actual murders they insist there is proof that he was in france during september to november of 1888 when the five canonical mm-hmm. murders happen the rebuttal to this, though, is that there's a series of sketches that Sickert did that were of, like, the theater, because he really liked to still go to the theater. Yeah. It sort of marks and shows the possibility that Sickert was in East London between April 1888 and November 1888. So, um, it's also very likely that Jack the Ripper was among the upper class, like, the upper middle class, mm-hmm. just like Sickert. He would carry himself like a gentleman. Eyewitnesses account, eyewitness accounts said that this, you know, there there is a consistency with these eyewitness accounts about this so-called Jack the Ripper carrying him like a gentleman. So I assume he would be well organized and punctual, even having the necessary equipment at the ready. So these theories too come from uh, psycho- psychological serial killer and anal- an analysis. 
Oh my God, I can't speak. Analysis. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know a word. Yeah. <laughs> so this type of serial killer who is very um, organized in the way he does his kills, almost real ritualistic, you pin them as very organized and well put together, not sloppy. So there is an assumption that he would always have the necessary equipment on him just in case. Mm-hmm. So my personal opinion is He's very... like a Boy Scout. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Always be prepared. Always rope. You never know when you need to murder and disembowel someone. <laughs> just always be prepared. <laughs> always be prepared. <laughs> um, so uh, my personal take on Sickert, uh, I think he was also well-organized and a gentleman in pictures. He looks very clean cut with a lot of, like with a very tidy appearance and proper clothes. He's very debonair in a lot of... He's a hottie? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Actually, he kind of, yes. He, mm-hmm. He's a little, he's good looking. But Gotta watch um, out those hotties. I know. Sometimes, sometimes they start to kill. Maybe like Sickert. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was also convenient being able to move about undetected. Having a flexible job proved to be a bonus here. Uh, so as a painter, you often work at a schedule set by yourself. So that would be kind of convenient and and i mean we're going back to the 1800s as a painter you would get commissions from higher ups yeah. probably and you would be going and touring around different galleries trying to sell your work so you would work at your own set schedule yeah and he would set a time for some murder <laughs> who knows okay so the uh these are just theories obviously even though patricia com uh, Cornwell says she has significant proof to back up her claims. There's really no actual set proof to f- to be found to link her theories to the murders. And many ripperologists, yes, ripperologists, mm-hmm. that is it's a step. We need to go. We need to go to school for that. We should. We'll become doctors. Have doctorates. Doctorates in ripper. Ripperology. Thank you. We could go to London and go find someone. A ripperologist could give us like a tour of where all the killings happened. My cousin's doing that. <gasps> she's going to London in like, I don't know, two, three weeks or something like that. Yeah. And she told me she's taking the Jack the Ripper like walk. I guess they have like tours. Whoa. And it's at nighttime. I'm like, that's a thing. Oh. I did not know. We got to go do that. That would be really cool. I saw a and map creepy. laid out of where all the murders happened. So it's interesting to sort of see like on on a map the locations and sort of the the distance between them all they're very close like they're pretty reasonably mm-hmm. close um and then there's a map of all of the 11 potential oh i need to see this map i will show you is it kind of like in a circle is there like a housing right How about in a them? star pattern it sort of looks like a star pattern in my so opinion. did anybody look at the housing that's right in the middle of the star pattern because <gasps> they don't usually go that far from where they live if they're that's true and it, it's it is said that like god I you know be a detective you we should we should absolutely <laughs> be a detective that's why we're gonna solve the sherman murder case oh my god i can't wait um one of the things that i had read was during the double murder he kind of went in very close to where the investigation was happening he took the chance to kind of stick around the area potentially being caught yeah so it is it is theorized that he lived in that area very close to where they all happened so you might be right maybe so right drawing we'll see we'll figure it out we'll Well, do are we gonna figure it out let's do it okay maybe we'll see if sicker all answers yeah are here today yeah so this is where we find a divide between the two. 
Where Jack the Ripper's M.O. was that he hated women, Sickert wouldn't have a clear reason to kill based on his dislike of women. He seemed to have a pleasant relationship with his mother, um, but maybe it was his relationship with sex workers. Maybe it wa- Maybe he wanted them for himself and for them to accept that he would be the only one to have multiple lovers. When looking at cases such as the Ripper murders, sex isn't the reason most of these killers murder. So let's, you know, if we look at cases like Ed Kemper or Ed Gein, Ted Bundy, all yeah. of these men had a pa- had past issues with women mm-hmm. and continued it continued through their lives, resulting in a lot of unfortunate female murder, women mur- murdered. Uh, but this is sort of a stretched theory uh, here. Um, I'm what like. Walter really didn't have past trauma with women. Could it have been him having to divorce his wife? My thinking is probably not. Um, we know he wasn't loyal and continued with his promiscuous life, but with no shame. So he was like, I don't fucking care. Whereas some of the other men that we know of who kill because of his because of their past trauma with women, they're they are shame. They feel they do feel shame. So, I don't know. Oh, I'm just, this is, yeah. Really? Well, Ed Kemper's mom was very controlling and. I didn't think they felt shame though. Well, shame being that they, they let sort of it happen and they didn't take control back. They, like their, the mom was like 100% oh. in control. Like Ed Gein got dressed up as a girl and, yeah, yeah. and started to okay. like it and he felt shameful for, for okay liking that kind of stuff so the result of a woman having doing something negative towards these serial killers is a result of them acting out yeah i thought you meant shame about the murders Mm -mm. no that's what i thought i'm like they don't okay that makes sense yeah okay maybe he's got like split personality that's a good theory too um there there's not a lot about his personal life and and um well, oh, the this internet is a good was pretty se- slow then. This is a good segue. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah. Serial killers tend to be untied to people. So a lot of a, a lot of Sickert's personal life wasn't discussed in, you know, all the mm-hmm. w- Wikipedia or any of the other um, places that I looked t- to grab my research. So you don't know about his his um, mood or behavior, his personality. He seemed totally cool. Like besides Degas and only a handful of other painters not much is said about his relationship with his family and with his ex-wife out of the picture by 1885 he was removed enough from human was he removed enough from human attachment that he could kill freely yeah so unfortunately that's a question that's going to stay unanswered because we don't know we just don't know anything else beyond that when comparing the handwriting to that of the Ripper letters, there are some uncanny similarities. The mm. only problem is that the actual Ripper letters were never confirmed to be from the real JTR, Jack the Ripper. I got a, I got annoyed having to write it a freaking billion times. So there's no way to fully confirm this theory. No DNA could be pulled from them. However, the paper that was used was tested by forensic paper experts and found to be a very rare paper that was part of only 24 possible sheets of handmade of a handmade paper run. So the Sickert letters that Cornwall purchased and the Ripper letters were forensically tested and a paper a forensic paper expert 
Matt looked at both of them, even the handwriting itself is fucking very similar. Very, very similar. So when you look at the 20, if you, if you think about it, 24 sheets, 24 runs of this handmade paper. Yeah. It is very, very rare that both those papers could come from two different people. Could they also be like two different people? It could be as well. Like, that is another theory. Partners there. That's a whole nother podcast to go into about how oh, Jack the Ripper she... may have had an accomplice. Because if you look at the double murder, if I mean it, it's plausible that he could go from one to the other, or was it that his accomplice was that was already at the second murder just about to take place, and Jack was at the first one and got interrupted. And his his accomplice was in the middle, just about to kill right, uh, Catherine Catherine Eddowes. I, I mean, yeah. Again, that's a whole there's other. so many. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. So n- so not a comparison, but remember when I said that Sickard was fascinated with Jack the Ripper? This is all coming to oh, a conclusion. Oh yes, mm-hmm. in the painting. Okay. So in fact, Sickard was more like obsessed. With Ooh, this. like a little fan culty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like <laughs> he was he was a murderino. <gasps> Many people claimed they saw him dress up in the garb that witnesses described JTR to have worn the night of these murders, even going as far as wearing a mustache to look like Jack the Ripper. So was he actually like cosplaying this guy? Hmm. So let's end on this. I'm going to give you this picture. Okay. I, I want you wait. to take take a look at it. All right, so take a look at this. This is this is the piece called Jack the Ripper's Bedroom. Okay. I suggested the idea that this was a self-portrait, maybe of the man he once was. It was painted in 1907, okay? The Camden Town Murder series that he also painted, which shot Sickert to fame and was influenced by the murder of Emily Dimmock, was also painted in 1907. Could this self-portrait be a realization he needs to kill again and is the subject in this greatest in his greatest work of art in fact emily dimmick the woman who would become his last and final victim if this is the woman no i'll show you the i'll show oh, you the other. More. so this is you want to know what this looks like it actually looks like a mirror not down a hallway interesting that you say that because at first I thought this looks like a mirror as well yeah but then I was like okay well there's like a, a hallway the, the, the way that it's reflecting but if it is a mirror that's even creepier because it's him looking in the mirror uh, you know um, okay let me show you so the two paintings that are here these are the originals okay those are the two ones that I was talking about okay so oh shoot okay 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 this is a woman on the bed looks like a man i don't even know how hang on here no that that to me oh is that to me is a man it looks like a man chest and look at the arms did he kill <gasps> Jack the Ripper? Holy oh shit. Oh my God. He freaking killed Jack the Ripper. And is that him actually? And he's sad about it because he was so fat. He's like a fan club. You know, like Selena? <gasps> the, yeah, he's sad about it because he just kind of wanted it for like power. I never thought about that. 
Oh shit! The documentary I read, which was a, it was a really interesting one, it was called the uh, the War on British Art. Um, when they were describing both of those Camden murder paintings, the first one that you're like, oh, that look, kind of looks like a man. Oh, this, this one. That one. Yeah. Uh, Excuse oh. Me. <laughs> um, he did. He just did describe the person on the bed as a woman. Maybe it's just bad quality. Who described it as a woman? The guy in the documentary I watched called the, um, Britain at War with Art or Art. Well, he could be wrong. That's, he totally could. We don't know because he's dead. That's right. But maybe he, he did interviews about his paintings and talked about but that. How woman. is that a woman? I th- is she, she's not naked. Is she in a dress? There's no breasts. There's no nipples. Like, That's a good question. This to me is like assumed as a flower, but it could just be maybe flowers around it because he, look at the arms. They are bigger. But when you think about the female form drawn in the Victorian area, they were plumper. They're, they're That's were, true. More real. Yes. Beautiful and round. But ex- so exactly. Look at his painting here and look at the breasts and the curves. He, they're very defined. And this one not to so me much. is like a strong man, like chest, like, the muscle? Who knows? Hmm. But my my theory is... Lovers. Oh, I didn't notice that. I'm just there's saying. so much... To, th- there's so much... There are so many theories about Jack the Ripper that, like I said before, he was a female. Um, you know, that it could be Walter Sickert. Um, what did I watch? I was watching another one. Uh, if you... If you're... I don't like BuzzFeed, but they have a series, which I think you would absolutely love. It's called Unsolved Mysteries. They go, they go into like, a really good... Um, like back in the day? Like the TV show? What? Unsolved Mysteries? Mm, no, no, no. Well, it's just two BuzzFeed workers who are obsessed oh. with true crime and unsolved mur- mysteries okay. like us. And uh, they do videos about it. But they did one on Jack the Ripper. And they kind of talk about eight plausible theories of who it could be and actually they talked about Walter Sickert in it too it's a great it's a cool document it's a cool little documentary to watch but he's got a mustache here I know but uh-huh. Sickert didn't but he but did Sickert, Sickert did, did at, 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 at a time and uh, I don't know if it was 1907 he here. but uh, if you if I pull up some pictures and uh, look at there's a mustache on the dead man here that everybody claims is a woman <laughs> Well, I think you're stretching, but no, yeah. There's no. no threading back then. Oh, yeah. that's. Oh, I, I want to ask you about getting my eyebrows thread, by the way. Oh. We'll talk about that later. Um, yeah. And, and one thing that I did read was that Sickert really liked to change his appearance a lot. So when he would kind of go into a new way of painting, mm-hmm. he would sort of shift his appearance. Okay. Yeah, I could kind of respect that. That's kind of like Madonna with her, with her. Oh. you know, every album she yeah. shifts her kind of. Not saying that you're comparing her with a murderer, but no. you know, reinventing yourself or almost musicians when you reinvent yourself every album. Like Madonna has reinvented herself every single freaking time and has blown and like just amazing every time. You think you'd run out of ideas, but no, nope. that's true. So that's, that's true. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that you did that. So. So mustache one day, no mustache the next. And then he wears a fake one one day and mm-hmm. then to, to be a fanboy of his favorite serial killer. Who knows? It's just, it's very, when I was researching it last night, I thought, 
could 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 this because this is this, that painting of Jack the Ripper's bedroom wasn't the only painting he did sort of as an ode to the this murderer. Yeah. Um, and I thought, okay, with the papers, the paper forensics being very, very, very interesting. The handwriting, cool. the the where he was at the time, his his um, love of the the human body, like the female body. Could could this be sort of a, a reflection, a, a self-portrait going, you know, this is who I once was. And then with the with him living in in this area, this in the East End. Could it have been that he was sort of like, I feel like I need to kill again and be if he actually is Jack the Ripper and then killed Emily Dimmick. You know, who I, I don't know who knows, but. It's just a theory. When did Emily Dimmick die again? In 1907. 1907, mm-hmm. right. A, September 11th, 1907. And and he painted the Camden Town Murders that, that same year, but also painted Jack the Ripper's Bedroom that same year. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Interesting. I know. That's fascinating. I love that story. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I've not looked into it so much that I've never even heard this theory of... Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Obviously, take everything I say with a grain of salt. Nothing has been proven. It's, it's. No, I'm taking it like a brick. Oh. It's a brick now. Be careful. You're a brick. House. <laughs> Letting your story hang out. I said it's a brick. House. Mm. I like Jack it. the Ripper and Strike. What's his name again? Strike, strike. Walter. Sicker. 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 I got too nervous when I was singing. Do you get do you get That's my joke awesome. now where I was like sick art bro or sick art jack? Because his name uh, sounds like sick art jack at Sick Ripper. It's you, all coming back to me now. Every episode we gotta sing that song. Cool. Can we have Celine Zion on one time? So <gasps> she sings that, right? Yeah, she does. She does. All coming back, all coming, coming back, back to me now. And in yes. the video, it's like um, so her boyfriend on a motorcycle or something. Yeah. And she's like in a night nightgown. She's amazing. She is amazing. I don't care. I hate Nickelback, but if anyone says shit about Celine Dion as a Canadian musician, fuck you. She's beautiful. And she's fabulous. fantastic. Yeah. And on that note, Nickelback is not so bad either, okay? Oh. I mm. know. Everybody hates it when I play Nickelback. <laughs> Just let it go. Hey, we, it's a difference of opinion. That's right. My opinion is not wrong. It's just your opinion. <laughs> Mind you, I don't know much of their songs. I know some of them. I, I had a, a shitty boyfriend who, uh, he his favorite band was Nickelback. And I remember our very first date, he was like, I'm a really good singer. And he started playing it. And he was trying to like s- sing. And I was like, oh my God, I like Chad Kroger's voice more than i like this this is pretty sad i ended up dating him for four months oh four months yeah it was pretty bad it was bad we're not gonna go now you just lost nickelback as listeners did you realize that Mm. maybe avril lavigne will be our oh i don't give a shit about (laughs) emotionally abusive piece of shit um yeah speaking of music i did a thing during thanksgiving weekend because you know procrastination (laughs) i made a spotify playlist oh yes that's right. I think I told you about this. Yes. So for any listeners out there who'd be interested on in kind of continuing this train of musical fantasticness and 
The Art of Murder. Uh, it's a it's a musical playlist. It's a playlist. Oh, okay. I just made a playlist called The Art of Murder because it had conveniently just been on my playlist because I was looking for music for the opening as our opening song. So I was kind of picking different um, oh, okay, okay, okay. songs and then I just got rid of them. Anyway, so it's all music that ha- that the artists either wrote songs about these serial killers or mention them so you've got like bob dylan in there um slayer there's uh, rolling stones uh, but you did this list i did yeah. yeah okay there is there's a giant one on on uh wikipedia but i just put through them all into spotify yeah. if anyone wants to take a listen that's cool it's yeah it's fucking cool get spotify yeah we'll be on spotify soon i don't have it <laughs> We'll, 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 the podcast will be on Spotify. You'll get Spotify soon. Yes, I will. I'll just, I'll give, gift it to you. Jenna will show me the ways. I will. Excellent. But, well, that yeah. was fantastic. These were, this was a good one. I can't, it's great. I Love know. it. I know. Thank you for listening, everybody. Yeah. Uh, episode two. Two. We're just, we're just, yeah. yes, we deleted the first one. Yeah, sorry. It's gone. So this is officially episode two. Yeah, officially. When we're starting the count fresh. Mm-hmm. I agree. Excellent. All right. All right. Well, that's it. Take care. Be kind and um, ambient toast. Ambient toast, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Bye bye bye. Uh, Bye bye now. you doing that for like sound effects for our Halloween party? Yes. I'm looking up.